Welcome to the One in One Podcast, where below-average podcaster chats with an above-average athlete. I'm your host, Bridget B. My guest today is Maria Lubrano, who played soccer at the University of North Carolina from 2007 to 2012, and was a part of three national championships. Maria, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me on. Of course. Now, you grew up in High Point, North Carolina, and I know you have a brother. Any other siblings or just you two? No, I think we are enough for my parents. Just an older (laughs) brother. He's three and a half years older. Okay. And is it true that he actually married one of your UNC teammates? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So they met uh, before I knew her. Um, So I came into the team knowing her as my brother's girlfriend. (laughs) That's pretty funny. I didn't know if you set them up, but obviously you got there later. So he went to UNC (laughs) as well? Yes, he went to UNC four years before I did, and he's honestly such a huge part of my story of playing soccer and especially for going to UNC. That's awesome. Yeah, and UNC is a great academic school. I feel like it kind of gets lost in the shuffle, but for public schools, it's one of the best. So to have two kids go there, your parents are pretty lucky. Yeah, definitely, and I'm lucky I had soccer too, so (laughs) that helped me out. (laughs) Now, were you always a North Carolina fan growing up in the state? So um, my parents came from Italy. So my mom was about 19 and my dad was about 25. So I didn't know much about college or university or even UNC um, until my brother started having to visit colleges and really until he went to UNC. That's when he would come back and be like, hey, you guys really need to check out like the women's soccer program. They're really awesome. Um, And so I started following them. That would have been when I went into high school. So it was kind of like late for me, but I immediately became a fan of UNC altogether. Yeah, pretty easy to to do, right? I mean, they have a phenomenal program. Oh, definitely. Every single program there is amazing. It really is. I mean, they're known for basketball, but the women's soccer team is so dominant. Field hockey's good. Lacrosse is good. It's crazy how good they are. It really is. I I think wrestling even did amazing this year, too. Like, Mm. it's really every sport. Wow. That's awesome. Now, once you got into high school and were rooting for UNC, did you have a hatred for Duke? No, funny you say that. So it kind of came down to Duke and UNC. Um, But it is because I had an awesome opportunity to play for the Duke coaching staff with ODP. So that's the Olympic Development Program, which is still around today. The rules have just changed a lot. So we were allowed at that time to have current college coaches coaching us. And I was lucky enough to have the Duke coaching staff for I think two years. And that also meant that we got to go and practice on their facilities as well. And I just absolutely love them. So there was never a hatred, but of course I never wanted to lose to them once (laughs) I was UNC. Oh, of course, of course. I'm actually kind of surprised that's allowed because if the coaches are allowed to coach these kids as they're young, it really is a good recruiting tool. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I think that they definitely used it like that as well. But at that time, ODP really fed into the national team programs. Mm -hmm. So I think they just wanted, you know, some of the best coaches doing it. And I think they kind of quickly realized, like, that's kind of unfair. But I was lucky enough that they didn't realize it early enough. Yeah, nice. 
Now, how did you get into soccer? Um, so like I said, my parents came from Italy and true and true Italians. So I'm lucky that I got into soccer. Um, so Italian men's soccer is really good. They've won four world cups. Um, they're known for soccer and, um, it's a male sport. The, the female was supposed to be in the kitchen. So I got so lucky that I was playing basketball at, you know, like the, the community, uh, gym and the coach for the basketball team was also going to be the soccer coach. So she went up to my mom and was like, Hey, um, you should just sign up Maria for soccer too. And my mom was like, knowing how my dad would react. So she secretly signed me up and, um, my dad came out to the first game with her. He's like, why the crap am I out here? And (laughs) he was like, wait, that's my kid. And apparently the story is that I scored like nine goals. And so my dad was like, okay, well we can try to do this. Um, and thankfully because my mom stepped out and signed me up, I got to play soccer for, you know, 28 years. Wow. Good for your mom. So your dad was okay with you playing basketball, but soccer was a man's sport. Other sports were okay. It, I, Kind of, yes. It was just not many women in Italy were playing soccer. So for him, it was kind of like, yeah, you just you played other sports because it would be potentially more opportunities as a female as well. Mm-hmm. Wow. Mm-hmm. And that's that's really unfortunate in Italy because the men's program is so dominant. If more females played, I'd bet they'd be a great program as well. Yeah, honestly, things have really changed. And like my dad was so supportive from the beginning. It was just that he wouldn't have thought um, there was potential there at all. But uh, the women's national team actually made it to the quarterfinals this past World Cup, which is amazing. That's the furthest they've ever gone. And it created um, a huge positive impact within Italy when they did that. Oh, that's awesome. And I imagine you've been over to Italy since your parents are from there. Oh, yeah. Uh, Thankfully, I've been there. Um, I first went there when I was like four. And then we were able to do many summer vacations uh, back in Italy because our whole family is there. So we would just shack up with family. And then um, I was lucky enough to go play there for half a season after college as well. Oh, wow. That's awesome. What's yeah. better over there, the pizza or the pasta? Oh, man. Um, that's too hard. <laughs> Both are delicious, it's it sounds just, like. Yeah, you just eat them at the same time. Like, have a bite <laughs> of one, have a bite. It's just everything is so much better. Like, the ingredients are just so fresh, and that makes such a big difference. It's, I, like, can't wait. Like, even their gelato is so amazing. Everything is so good. Yeah, wow. COVID must be rough for you because you probably haven't been over. Um. Yeah, we have not been able to um, at all. But I know my – I think my parents will be going this summer. And – oh, wait. I think I'm going this summer, too. I think I have a cousin getting married. So I'm going, oh, nice. too. A wedding <laughs> in Italy. Sounds beautiful. Yes, it's it's just so gorgeous. If you haven't been, you need to add it to your bucket list. Southern oh, it's on Italy there. is 
Oh, good. Southern Italy is amazing. The ocean, the food, if you like fish, um, it's great because it just comes straight from the ocean onto your plate. Ooh. And there's there's really nothing bad about Italy. It's awesome. Now, back to soccer. I know you played mostly midfield in college. So was that your spot all growing up or did you kind of switch around? It was mainly my spot. I was an attacking mid growing up. Um, and then I actually ended up jumping around quite a bit when I got to college because we had such a strong midfield um, that there was kind of limited ability for me to kind of break through there. Um, so I, I was known as a midfielder, but I played a season as an outside mid, um, which is not quite like me because there was there were a ton of girls a lot faster than me. And normally you want that flank runner that's making runs down the line with the ball. And then I actually ended up uh, my last season, I was considered more of a forward. So yeah. it was jumping around, which I'm thankful. Yeah, and less running for the forward spot. You would think it's running less, but uh, we play such a high-pressure system at UNC that our we're still running quite a bit as forwards as well, but you're right. Like the midfield, there's no comparison. They run like 10, 11 miles a game. It's incredible. Oh my God. That's crazy. Now you mentioned playing ODP. How old were you when you started ODP in club soccer? Um, if I remember correctly, ODP, it was about eighth grade when it first started. Um, I think that's right. Maybe freshman year. Um, of high school. So it went hand in hand with club, just like it still does now. Um, we would meet once a month and we would train for about four hours. And then we would, um, we would get prepared to go to regional camp, which was in Alabama. And that's where, you had some national team coaches coming in and and scouting. And then from there, they would create a region team that would go compete against the other three regions. And then from there, they would create a national team. Now, I I don't believe that's how they do it anymore, but, um, but that's how it was back then. Okay. So around eighth, ninth grade. So that's when you were really getting competitive in the sport and you actually won four state titles with your club team. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. 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 We, we had a really, um, we had an awesome club team. I loved, we were the Twisters, which they've changed the name now, but um, it was awesome playing there. Nice. Do you still talk to some of your teammates on that squad? Because you obviously spend a lot of time together. Yeah. We, I talked to one girl that um that I played with on my team and then there's like two girls that were on older teams that I still talk to every now and then it's cool very cool yeah yeah now for high school you actually attend two different schools I believe first you were at Southwest Guilford High School and then Wesleyan Christian Academy so what year did (laughs) you transfer um I transferred I believe in 2005 Okay, so it's that so like that, junior? Yeah, so I did okay. a junior year and a senior year at Wesleyan. Yep. Why did you transfer? Was it just a better soccer opportunity? 
No, it was actually for the academics. So, like I said before, I was kind. Duke was really in the mix of the schools that I wanted to go to, and it really came down to Duke and UNC. But Duke is, you know, UNC is such a great academic school, but you know, Duke is on a whole nother level. So I needed to kind of get my um, get my grades looking a little bit better and being at a private school, they were going to look a little better like that. Mm-hmm. So I switched to the private school and, oh. um, I, yeah. And then SAT scores and I did end up getting into Duke, but I still ended up going to UNC. Wow. We'll talk about that, but congratulations on getting into Duke. That's something that not <laughs> many people can say they were able to accomplish. Thank you. Funny <laughs> you say that. So uh, one of my first letters was from Yale. And I remember being home and upstairs. And my dad actually got the letter first. And he started screaming like crazy. And he's like, you're going to Yale. I was like, you're absolutely insane. There's no chance that I can go to Yale. <laughs> hey, you never know. You might have been able to. Never know. But um, I just... I don't know that in my mind, that just seems like a school that I wouldn't have been able to keep up academically. <laughs> I, I believe in you. Thank you. Thank of you. Of course, of course. But you know, you did go to a higher level soccer school in the ACC. It probably wouldn't have been yeah. as competitive in the Ivy League. Yeah, that's very true. Yeah. Now I want to talk a bit of hoops for a minute because you actually played point guard all four years of high school. So how good were you? I was, I was pretty decent. So um, I love basketball. If I could have been a dual sport athlete in college as well, I would have loved it. But uh, my jumper wasn't quite good enough. I got some recognition from like some D2 schools, some really small D1 schools. Um, I think the biggest thing was uh, probably like my stamina on the basketball court. I mean, I could sprint up and down with the ball, without the ball, and coaches – liked it and didn't like it at the same time because it was kind of like, all right, we'll let your teammates kind of catch up or, you know, you're sprinting down the court, but you need to slow down before you go in for your layup. (laughs) But I'd say I had the handles. I needed to work on my shot a little bit more. Okay. Now, was there any interest from any colleges for basketball? Yeah, there were some, I can't remember who they were, but they were some smaller uh, D1 schools and some D2 schools. It's really impressive. Yeah. Especially because you probably weren't playing much AAU because you were focused on soccer. Yeah, you're right. Actually, it was all it was all high school basketball. I played AAU probably one year um, and then I wasn't able to because, like I said, ODP took up a lot of free time outside of club soccer. Yeah, that makes sense. You mentioned maybe being a dual sport athlete in college. At UNC, though, I mean, Ivory Latta was the point guard when you were there, so that would have been tough to do. (laughs) Oh, absolutely. There's no (laughs) chance I could have made the UNC basketball team. But, you know, girls got to dream some. Oh, yeah, yeah. I bet they would have taken you as a walk-on, or not really a walk-on because you're still scholarship from soccer. But after after the soccer season ended, you could just go right into basketball and uh, give them a run for their money in practice. Yeah, a little practice player. That that would be cool. I was friends with some of the basketball players, so it's cool to go on the court and get to shoot around. But That's awesome. uh, no, those girls are amazing. There's no chance I could have I could have kept up with them. 
You actually recently had Alex Miller and Camille Little on the podcast. I think they were there around the same time you were. Yeah, I think they were. Yeah, yeah I think Camille was That's probably awesome. older. Alex was a little younger. I forget what years, mm-hmm. but you were at UNC for so long. We'll talk about it. I'm sure so many athletes were there. <laughs> I know. <laughs> now for soccer in, in, in high school, you were two-time All-State, three-time All-Region, and you were your high school's Athlete of the Year in 2007, which I believe was your senior year. So tell me about your recruiting process, because obviously you were a highly sought-after recruit for soccer. Um, it was really fun. Um, so we were allowed to talk to coaches a little bit earlier than you are now. And so, you know, the letters start coming in and that was just, it's a little validation that your hard work has gone a long way. So, um, I had a really good club coach for the twisters and he really sat us down and really walked us through the process. He made us make a list of our top 10 schools and then slowly dwindle it down depending on, you know, the interest we were getting. He was talking to schools, making sure they were coming to our games as well. And so I started receiving the letters and I really kind of wasn't sure of what to do, but Um, I kind of knew that I wanted to be pretty close to home. I didn't realize I was going to be that close to home, (laughs) but, um, you know, just, I was, I was more of a homebody, I guess it kind of made me nervous going farther away. And we have such great schools in North Carolina, especially for academics and women's soccer. Um, Mm -hmm. we just have so much to choose from. So it was the letters coming in and then it was reaching out to coaches and letting them know where we were going to be playing. And then they would come and watch. Um, and then you'd get that conversation with them, see where the interest was, go visit the schools. And it was really fortunate for me that I got to play for a few college coaches within ODP. Um, I had a UNCG, uh, UNC Greensboro, the college coach there, he um, had a lot to do with our club as well. I think maybe a little bit more on the men's side, but I knew him fairly well. And so it was, it was, it was just a, it was a fun process for me. Um, the, the UNC coach, UNCG coach actually came to my school and talked to me there. He basically sat me down and was like, listen, um, you know, I've known you for so long. I would absolutely love for you to really consider UNCG. He's like, I wanted to be the first to really come out and show you all the stops because I know that you're going to get a lot of interest. So I was kind of, I guess, like oblivious of everything. And, um, just slowly I was starting to see like, Oh, well, this is like really a great opportunity that I'm going to get to have. And I really got to start thinking about what I want. And so I started to buckle down and, and really think about that. Yeah, And as you mentioned before, it comes down to Duke and UNC. Talk about why you chose UNC over Duke. So it really, um, it was such a hard decision. Like I still kind of feel the butterflies now thinking about it. I absolutely loved that Duke coaching staff, but 
UNC, like I said, with my brother going there, I came to find out what a dominant soccer school it was, how good of an academic school it was. And I started to realize that like it would be a dream to play for UNC. And at first, they weren't really that big of an option for me. I don't remember receiving a letter from them. But with my brother going to UNC and him being a soccer player, he actually became one of the boys for the women's soccer team, which means that they would jump into practice sometimes and mm -hmm. scrimmage the girls to play people faster and technically sound and, and stronger than them. So he was helping with the summer camps during the summer, and he told my parents and I, hey, you should really think about putting Maria in because they actually use it as a recruiting process as well. So the camp that I went to, I got to see the campus, fall in love with the campus, it really felt like home. Uh, I was playing with, you know, good players. That camp actually had a goalkeeper who got goalkeeper of the camp. She went in two years before me and I got to play with her. And then the girl that got um, offensive player of the camp, she came in a year after me. So it was just um, it that gave us all the opportunity to talk to Anton and for him to tell us that he was interested in uh, looking into us further to play for UNC. So that came into the picture pretty late. And, um, and at that point it was just like, Duke is amazing, but like this dream is actually coming true and I might have the chance to really compete spot to play for UNC like I don't feel like I can give this up like I will always wonder what if if I pass this up yeah. so that's what it kind of came down to wow thank goodness for your brother yeah I mean you can say that about my entire life thank goodness for my brother <laughs> seriously <laughs> that's amazing and UNC has a powerhouse women's soccer program, the best of all time. They have 21 national titles and coached by Hall of Fame coach Anson Dorrance. I mean, I think a lot of people think the UConn basketball, women's basketball program is the best women's program, but it's UNC soccer, 100%. Yes, I actually believe that it is the term the winningest coach is Anson Dorrance. That makes sense. Yeah. I can't imagine um, there's someone <laughs> that has uh, 21 national titles. No. Other than him. Right, right. He's been the, a staple of the program since the very beginning. He is such a huge part of the UNC women's soccer program. I mean, obviously, but it's just not only the winning, it's the atmosphere that he makes sure is there every step of the way. And I don't doubt that um, him bringing Heather O'Reilly in as the assistant coach is just going to continue to do the same thing moving forward. Um, the standards, the will to fight for your teammates, the high pressure system, like it's like that is Heather O'Reilly embodied that as a player so much as well. And she was so technically sound as well that it's, I Anton just turned 70 and he's still rocking it on the field. I, That's amazing. Yeah, uh, I love that they were able to get Dorrance Field named after him uh, with the new stadium as well. Now, did you play with Heather or was she a little bit older? 
No, she was older, um, but she would come back to the practices quite a bit. And um, I actually got to know her more after I was done playing. I would play in what's called noon ball with some of the uh, coaches from UNC and some local coaches as well. And I was getting to play with her there while she was using it as like a second training session during the week. Oh, um, nice. Multiple times a week. Yeah. Very cool. I always name drop Heather O'Reilly. I don't know her personally. <laughs> My brother, his college roommate went to high school with Heather and they were all at a bar one night. So when they, when she was playing uh, in the World Cup or Olympics, he was like, I met her. So now I'm like, oh yeah, I kind of know her a little bit. I don't at all, but you know, just for bragging rights to name drop, drop someone. Yeah. Well, she's an awesome person to name drop. She's the, a very kind soul and very, uh, one of the most competitive people I have ever met in my life as well. Wow. For, for sure. Now, was there any intimidation going in to play for Ants Endurance? A hundred percent. Um, <laughs> it wasn't just him. It was coming in and seeing the players that I was, you know, going to be teammates with, but also competing for time on the field. But um, Anson is a person who, you know, believes in living a life on a never ending ascension and constantly looking to be the best athlete and human being that you can be in your life. And it was um, his, his desire to help people and the love that he has for all the kids that come through the, the UNC system. It still makes me a little nervous when I step in front of him right now. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's amazing. So it sounds like you still keep in touch with him. Yeah. I, we get to do some, um, honestly we can just drop by whenever we want and I'm not far from the campus so I actually dropped in today but they weren't there they were getting ready to have practice to head out for the NCAA tournament uh his door is always open so anytime you want to talk he is he loves to hear from anyone any walk of life that's so cool from his life sounds like a great person great coach to have oh absolutely I mean there's he's got every side he's absolutely hilarious and he'll call you out on any type of bs as well and like i said he just always wants the best from you so um you always get the best from him and i think that's one of the best ways to live absolutely now it's got to be a tough transition coming from high school not only coming from high school to division one soccer but a program like unc where you're playing with kids that are a little bit older than you and even some probably ended up being younger but that are now on the u.s women's national team right tobin heath uh ashlyn harris crystal dunn was around your age i think i mean that's got to be crazy all of a sudden going up and practice with those with those people it definitely was. Again, with Antonio, my brother, being uh, one of the boys on the team, during the summer, they would always play pickup between their summer camp um, sessions as well. And so I was able to go in and play one time before I went into um, into preseason. So it was right after my senior year of high school. <laughs> and Ashlyn Harris was actually playing pickup on the field, not as a goalkeeper. And she was 
the most technically skilled goalkeeper I've ever seen in my life. And I just remember how she wanted to make sure I knew my place and she <laughs> put me in my place so quickly. But um, again, a person that only with the highest standards and um, will push you to your limits because she wants the best from you as well. And, um, and I loved having her as a teammate, but going in, it was very intimidating. Um, I went in from, you know, being a player that, that stood out on almost any team that I was on. And then I came into this UNC team where um, everyone was amazing. Like literally everyone from the top of the roster to the bottom of the roster, they were all so good. And so I had, I had trouble transitioning my first year for sure. Um, I didn't get a lot of playing time. I was trying to break into the midfield with people like Yell Averbush and Casey Naguera and Tobin Heath, and they just had it, you know, locked down. And these are girls that were only a year older than me when I came in. And yet when their class came in and they did the starters reserve game at, in preseason, almost the entire freshman class ended up becoming a starter that game so just incredible people to come in um after so they were sophomores when i was a freshman that's a great recruiting class but you did play in in 10 games as a freshman in 2007 and unc wins the acc tournament i believe you guys got to the sweet 16 and lost but good freshman year yes yeah, it it was not bad. It was just, you know, different than what I had ever known before. Um, but that Sweet 16 loss hurt so bad. I, uh, I remember finishing that game, and I promised myself that I would work as hard as I possibly could to make sure that no other senior class had to leave with a loss on their last game. And not thinking that I could specifically make the difference Um, but you know, directly, but I knew that if I worked as hard as I could, I could push everybody around me to be better as well. And, Mm -hmm. um, it it didn't turn out too bad. Yeah, no, I, I would say so. You go on to win three national titles, but no, you were known to be a good penalty kicker, right? Even as a freshman. Yes. Um, I was, and, um, so it's a, in the ACC tournament, I ended up taking a PK as a freshman. Wow. Yeah. And you converted. I read that. I I did. And people would make fun of me about it, too. So it, um, my penalty kick is I put it in the spot that it needs to go. So it's not super fancy. It's not hard or anything. And a teammate's parent told me that they were watching the game, and they were able to leave from in front of the TV, go make popcorn and come back and still be able to watch the ball roll into the goal, which (laughs) I thought was hilarious. It wasn't that incredibly slow. It was perfectly placed. Hey, and it went in. So I did That's all that matters. Who cares if you kick it the hardest that anyone's ever kicked the ball? If it's not, if it doesn't go in, it doesn't matter. Right, right. Now, sophomore year in 2008, you actually don't play that season due to injury. Can you talk about what happened? Yes. So, um, like I said, I wanted to make sure that I was working my absolute hardest to 
do everything I could to become a better player. So it just kind of became um, a little bit of an overuse injury, but a little bit of my body not being completely prepared to train um, as hard as it I would that off season. So I ended up uh, basically what happened is you have muscles in your feet, but they don't have a lot of space to grow. So the muscles in my feet were actually growing and they ended up pinching a nerve in my foot, in my heel specifically. So I would get like drop foot where you'd be walking and your toe wouldn't come up and I would trip and it was very painful and it took a very long time to figure out what happened because um, it's just such a rare thing to happen. So I ended up going through casts and boots and crutches and it took months for us to finally do the final test, which is a test where they put needles into the muscles and you have to contract and they, it reads how much of a contraction there is within the muscle. So the reason I had the red shirt is because it took so long to diagnose because the recovery from the surgery, I believe only took like three or four months, but we didn't figure it out until about eight or nine months after my original pain. So I didn't have surgery until I believe November of 2008, which is the middle of an NCAA tournament. So I was in pain. I just couldn't, I couldn't practice. And thankfully Anson, um, I had gone through enough issues during that 2007 or 2008 off season. So my freshman spring season that I went up to him in the summer and I said, Hey, like, I've missed so much developmental time. Is it okay if I just focus on recovering in redshirt my sophomore year? And he was all for it. Oh, that's great. Now, as you're redshirting, UNC goes on to win the national title in 2008. That had to be a bit bittersweet for you, right? Because you're still on the team. You're still a part of it. But you weren't able to play. You nailed it. Yes, 100%. I was so happy for the team. But a lot of times people, if people say like, oh, yeah, you won three national championships. I'll say, yeah, but I was redshirted one year. They're like, who the heck cares? Nobody's going to remember that but you. I'm like, you're right. But technically, I was redshirted. Um, I still got a ring. <laughs> I did. It was a beautiful ring. <laughs> yes. Uh, it, it was great to watch the team do what they did. I was so happy for them. Again, I don't want to see any, or I didn't want to see any senior come off the field with the loss with their last game of their career. And they accomplished it that year. That's awesome. Now you make it back for the 2009 season and you play in every single game that year, which must've felt great coming off a year where you were redshirting and not playing at all. Yes. Huge difference in the way things had started to you know then being on the sideline and then being able to play every game and and you know win a championship that year too yeah yeah and you scored a big goal in the duke game which had to feel good (laughs) yes it did um it was i remember after the game robbie church the duke coach came up to me and he was like i of course wanted 
to see you score. I just never wanted to see you score against us. <laughs> I was like, I had to do what I had to do. <laughs> Yeah, you mentioned that you guys win the championship. So this is a year where you're playing. So you get to the final four first time as a player. So tell me about that experience. Uh, we, so we were in Texas that year, I believe, for that championship. And it was a cool experience because we got to play it away, which normally we played at home, which honestly, play, playing at home is always cooler because you have more fans and everything, even though everywhere you go around this country, you have UNC fans. But the experience was just another level. Um, the, the way that we got taken care of, um, it was a snowy semifinal game, and Nike ended up having to ship us, like, leggings the night before for us to play in because it was going to be so cold. Wow. So it's just, you know, that's a cool experience to to just feel like taking care of like that and honestly if you look at men's sports they kind of get that all the time and it was just nice to to be able to experience that on the women's side as well but the I remember the stadium was just awesome it was there was no track around the field so the fans felt like they were right on top of you which is kind of that English um style of of a stadium Mm -hmm. So you just, it, there was so much energy and it just, you know, the spotlight is on the team and it was just a, a feeling of all your hard work leading up to an amazing moment. And you guys, I feel like you were the underdogs in that national title game because Stanford was undefeated at the time. Yes, yes. So a, a rare feeling for us, normally the target is always on our back, but even as being the underdog, it's still UNC. Everybody wants to take the title away from UNC. So it was a huge game that, um, that yeah, Stanford was, was thought to be uh, favored. And like I said, we had um, that 2009 season. We had an amazing senior class. I believe that is the original freshman class that I was talking about. So they – um, they, they were a stacked portion of our team. Yeah, that's amazing. Actually, the so many players on that field in that game go on to have incredible careers because Stanford mm-hmm. had Kristen Press and Kelly O'Hara. Famously, mm-hmm. Kelly O'Hara got kicked out of the game, right? She had two red cards, or two uh, yellow cards, I should say. That's One I feel like was kind of controversial. Yeah, I can't remember specifically, but now that you're saying it, I do remember that. It was a heated game. I mean, like I said, uh, Stanford was undefeated. Everybody wants to beat UNC. And it was it was a very tough physical game. Yeah, absolutely. And actually, the past championship game, I guess it was technically 2019, was a Stanford-UNC game again. Mm-hmm. Stanford won this yeah. time, though. I'm sure you're not happy yeah. about that. No, unfortunately. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> Now, that year, you were the most improved player on the team. But I have to say, at some point during that year, you were playing through another pain, right? It wasn't your foot this time. It was your hip. That's right. Um, Unfortunately, another extremely rare injury that they couldn't figure out. But basically, it was going into the NCAA tournament, which 
the NCAA tournament takes about six weeks. I was starting to feel pain around my hip, and they originally thought that it was um, a pulled quad muscle, like a really high pull. Um, and so I went into the championship game with the athletic trainer. Do you know what a STEM machine is? Yes. Like, yeah, so she took the pads off the STEM machine, and she had just the probes. And what we were doing was trying to create pain before I would go onto the field to get all the pain receptors, like, filled and stuff so I wouldn't feel as much pain. Um, she took the probes and put them on the specific muscle that she felt was pulled, and I would have to sit through our pregame talk with her cranking it up as hard as I could handle it to create oh as much pain as possible. It was such a weird experience. Um, and... I mean, it turned out that what we were doing was helping, but it was never a pulled quad in the first place. It was a torn labrum, which is like a cartilage material that protects the hip bone from the femur bone. Mm -hmm. um, and it it was just really unfortunate because it was, you know, I like you said, I had had a great season going up until there, but then by that championship game, I was incapable of sprinting all out. Um, like, I was just physically not able to do it. And there was just too much pain. And mechanically, I guess it was messed up. But nonetheless, it was, you know, we still ended up uh, winning. And I remember sitting there saying, I don't care what I have to do after this game. I want to give my all in this game and we'll figure it out afterwards. Yeah, I'm sure your teammates respected you so much for playing through that pain. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, greatest teammates in the world there. Unfortunately, you just can't catch a break. So you have surgery now on your hip, and you redshirt the 2010 season, which is academically your senior year. How hard was that to go through again? It was mentally very challenging because, um, you know, I... I felt like I had gained so much momentum that season and it was like it was stripped away at the end um, because I would have to kind of start over after I was done with surgery. But I ended up having to have two surgeries um, on my hip and that's what actually kept me out that season because I believe my first surgery, I would have been able to come back and play. However, when I started to do the on-field protocol to see if I could pass the test, again, I was incapable of sprinting. Like, I just, it, it's such a weird concept. Like, I literally just couldn't sprint. I would hit a certain speed and just couldn't keep going through pain and, feeling um, like the muscle was incapable of doing it. So then we had to go get a second opinion to get a second surgery. That's awful. At any point, did you consider just giving up soccer because you're going through all these injuries? No, not really. For some good. reason, yeah, yeah, it, it was good. I'm glad I didn't. And that would have made it even more mentally tough. But for some reason, I just had this idea that the only thing that could really stop me was an ACL tear. Like that, like 
like I said, my first redshirt year, it took them almost eight to nine months to diagnose what was actually going on. And then it took about four or five months to rehab from it. So that was over a year. Well, you know, an ACL tear, you're out for nine months. But for Mm -hmm. some reason, it just the thought of an ACL tear was the only thing that would make me question whether I wanted to keep going. Oh, wow. That is pretty interesting because, you know, a lot of people tear their ACLs and come back. But Mm -hmm. yeah, I guess if that was then the third thing that happened to you, you might think about hanging it up. (laughs) Yeah. The other good thing about what happened to me was that Ashlyn Harris actually had the same surgery prior to me coming in to UNC as well. So I had a great example of someone that had resilience and perseverance and you know she's still playing she's doing incredible things so it was great to have that example oh that's good so you knew you could make it back on the field and get Mm -hmm. you know be 100 percent again yes yes how was that rehab process to get back on the field for 2011 so right after the surgery it was i ended up going to colorado to veil to have the surgery. And that's only because it was a fairly new surgery that was happening. And no one at UNC had done one before. There was someone in wake forest. Um, but we ended up going to the guy that invented the surgery. So Dr. Philippon in veil created this surgery that takes your it band and they take it out of the side of your leg. They fold it up and they suture it to the hip bone and that end up, it ends up changing the complete matrix of, of the IT band in creating a whole new labrum for you. Incredible. incredible. Yes, absolutely incredible. Well, there, the first night out of surgery, you're supposed to get on a bike and pedal, which they're doing that for a lot of surgeries now to start promoting the healing process with blood flow. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't do well with anesthesia, and apparently I was in way too much pain as well. I couldn't move that first night, and the the physical therapist was not happy with me. <laughs> and I thought that I was going to probably never move again. It was so painful. And then wow. the, the pain just went away. Literally the next day, I woke up, and I was like, I feel amazing now the, the therapy and the yeah the therapy and the rehab was very difficult but the fact that the pain was gone was incredible the rehab process was very long god bless my athletic trainer nicole Fava was amazing she when i finally came back to north carolina she had to hold my leg which you know, soccer girls have some thick thighs. She had to <laughs> hold my leg and put it into circles, counterclockwise and clockwise for 20 minutes. That was another portion of promoting the healing process and reducing scar tissue. So she's amazing. But the the rehab process was very long. At one point, it the rehab was two hours twice a day. Wow. But, you know, at that point, I'm not getting to practice. I'm not getting to play soccer at all. Like, that was my life. And mm-hmm. and that was okay with me because, to me, there was light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah, that's good. Mm-hmm. So you get back for 2011. Now, when you start like getting on the field again, 
were you nervous just like mentally because you go through all these injuries are you worried that your hips gonna give out again I didn't really have concern about my hip I I don't remember having concern about injury either um that was kind of tear your ACL (laughs) yeah exactly exactly just want my knees to be protected (laughs) it was um I think for for me, it was more just I'd been off the field for so long that I was constantly nervous about that. Um, it took a long time to feel comfortable again because they even told me when when um, when the doctor saw my my images and they gave me a call to tell me about surgery, they said it will take you a year after surgery to feel. 90% the same. And then we hope that you get that last 10% back. Jeez, that's not very uh, promising. No, not really. But at the same time, it was still a chance to continue playing. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was, it was just a day at a time. It was knowing that you know, I I really did kind of get a second chance to play because after that first surgery, I I wasn't capable of sprinting, and you can't play soccer without sprinting. And um, just to be able to have that opportunity to be able to train again and to be able to put on that jersey again, it was just a day at a time, do as much as I can. And yeah, I'm nervous, but at the same time, I'm giving it all that I have, and we'll see where it goes from here. And what would you say your percentage was in 2011 and 2012? In 2011, I'd say I was about 85%, maybe. Um, I never felt completely comfortable as well as I was constantly tight. So when they take the IT band from that portion of your leg, it connects, um, connects into your hip. And that always felt so tight. So I didn't have the pain, but it just, it it was always tight, which tightness never allows you to really be able to move very well. But I was playing midfield that season in a different system as well. We were playing a 4-5-1, 4-5-2-1, can't remember now. Um, We were playing a different system, and so I was in a midfield that had a lot more people, our roles were very different and I was coming in as a sub. So it was coming to the midfield, you know, do your job, close out the half or, um, you know, give the spark in the middle of the second half. And I knew my role, like I knew it a hundred percent and I just gave it all to, to do what I was supposed to do. And that was kind of a good thing for me because I did feel limited. So knowing exactly what was needed from me helped me stay focused, engaged just on that. That's awesome. Helps the team too. If you know what your role is for sure. Definitely. Definitely. And a really great moment that year, right? You're the year prior, you're had the surgery, you're coming back. You scored the opening goal of the season after all you'd been through. What a storybook moment. Yes. A hundred percent. I, and it was with my left foot, which was the (laughs) hip that I had surgery on. So it was a a fairy tale beginning to the season in just a, 
another validation of, you know, your hard work is paying off. Just keep it up and, and it'll, it'll work out. Your teammates must've been so fired up for you. Yes, they were. I think we were in Nebraska at the time and it was a early goal as well. So it was awesome. Nice. Nice. Now it's another great season for UNC, but a stat that I found absolutely ridiculous was that that season UNC lost in the ACC tournament for the first time ever. That's crazy. Yes, I remember that stat. It was a very sad stat. (laughs) (laughs) No, I mean, it's sad for you as a player. I get that, but it just, it took that long for you guys to lose an ACC Mm -hmm. tournament game. It's just Mm -hmm. unreal. It is. You're right. It is an incredible stat, but yeah, as a player, not one that you want to be a part of. (laughs) No, but you know, the ACC conference has gotten more competitive, right? Virginia's Mm -hmm. got a great team. Florida Mm -hmm. State has a good team. Virginia Tech's always in the tournament. Mm -hmm. Now you have Notre Dame in this ACC and Duke's good. So it's Mm -hmm. really competitive. Yes, it's really stacked. When you look at uh, the top 20 ranked throughout the season you we often see um at least six acc teams in that ranking and that's incredible but it's so awesome too because that means every single game you're playing is against phenomenal teams and phenomenal players and you're constantly having to bring your best and i mean that's the most fun part of any sport is when you have to bring your best out and you accomplish great things. Yeah, absolutely. No gimmies in the ACC. Right. Now, 2011 was your fifth year, but you do have an additional year of eligibility since you redshirted twice. And it's very common for students to take a fifth year, but it's pretty rare to get a sixth year. Was it a tough decision for you to decide to come back? It wasn't. It wasn't. Because if I wouldn't have taken that sixth year, I wouldn't have had two seasons in a row. So I mean, oh, wow. I was, yeah, I, I started every season with fewer training months than any of my teammates. So the 2011 season, unfortunately, um, was still not with my team because at UNC, you you have a limit on the semesters that you can have there as an athlete. So I had to actually take the semester off as a student. But I stayed in Chapel Hill. I, I volunteered. I, I coached. That's when I started coaching kids um, with soccer personal training. And I was able to play and practice with the team or play and practice with teammates, but not in a practice environment. So I was organizing pickup every single night. I was organizing small practice sessions with a few teammates multiple times a week. And I had, again, amazing teammates that would want to come out and help me train or play pickup. A lot of boys were around as well, and they were coming to play with us as well. And it was great in that aspect to have teammates that all want to put in extra work because – Without them there, I would have had to do a lot of training on my own. And there's just nothing like actually playing the sport for your for your training. So they helped me stay in, you know, soccer shape throughout that off season. Sorry, I kind of went off your question, but no, that no, is, all good. 
<laughs> that is what made it so easy to make that decision because I never had full training going into a season. So I never got to see what my potential was. Now, mm -hmm. it's unfortunate that I still ended up playing my entire senior season with plantar fasciitis, which Jeez. is not a fun thing to play with, but you can play with it. So, um, so I was thankful it was at least something that I could play through. Yeah. Wow. Now, was that plantar fasciitis any way connected to your first injury? It was actually the other foot. But, oh, gosh. <laughs> yeah, but they, you know, once you have a compensation on one side, there can be, you know, extra force and um, stress on the other side. So it's possible. I believe I'm, you know, in the strength and conditioning world now, I believe every injury correlates to the future injuries if we don't properly um, strengthen the athlete back up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so now in 2012, you're basically the Van Wilder at UNC, <laughs> the grandmother of the team. And as usual, UNC, top team, right? You guys once again reached the Final Four. That year was in San Diego, so it must have been great weather. Oh, it was beautiful out there. I loved it. <laughs> so to end your career, you guys beat Stanford 1-0 in the semifinal and then crushed Penn State 4-1 in the national championship, your final game as a Tar Heel. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that Stanford game was, I mean, a nail biter. Um, I think Kalia Ojai came up big for us at the end. And it was, it was fun to go into a championship game where we kind of knew early on that we had it in the bag. So that was fun because everybody on the bench got to play all, I believe all the seniors got to be on the field when the whistle blew, which is so incredible um, for, you know, anyone that doesn't get a lot of playing time too. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. Yeah. And you always said you never wanted a senior to leave without a, or leave on a loss and you don't mm -hmm. either. Exactly. A hundred percent. And, Unfortunately, what ended up happening is that freshman class that was part of the 2012 championship, that ended up being their only championship. Oh, wow. Yeah. They got to win the, it this year. Yeah, now, was that the last title UNC has had, or did they have one a couple years ago? No, unfortunately, that's the last one that we've had. Wow, that's pretty crazy to think about. Mm-hmm. I know Stanford's won a few, Penn State won one. Mm -hmm. Wow, I didn't realize it was that long. I think Virginia won one, Florida State maybe. Wow. Yeah, yeah, Wells, right. That's why they need it this year. Yeah, you never know. And it's pretty cool that they're playing in the spring. Very different. Very different. You and your career overcoming several injuries to be a part of three national titles. You should be very proud of that career. Thank you. I am. Of course. Good. Now, when you finally leave Chapel Hill, what was next for you? You mentioned that you played overseas in Italy professionally. Did you try to play in the NWSL as well? I would have loved to have gotten drafted, um, but I did not get drafted. So, you know, the, the coaches talk a lot, and I, I had a feeling that that was going to happen. So I had started to talk to some teams in Italy, and the great thing about going to Italy was the fact that so much of my family was over there. 
So it was, you know, I've never gotten to live with my relatives for a long period of time. You know, I'd go years between seeing them. So it was very cool to go over there and get to see them on a, on a very consistent basis. But then the other thing was my dream was to play for the Italian national team. So it only made sense to go over and play for an Italian club. That's true. Yeah, so I went to play for Napoli Carpisa Yamamai, and it's the Naples team, um, Naples professional team there, which was close to my family as well. And um, I ended up going, so we always, well, now it's different, but we would always finish the NCAA tournament in December or November, and then you know, you, you can graduate at that time and go play. Well, if you're going to a team outside of the U.S., you're going to end up going in the middle of their season. Mm, true. So, so you're not always welcomed <laughs> because you're coming in in the middle of the season. Like, well, we've already put in, you know, half the season, which I totally understand. But but they ended up being great. I mean, they, they accepted me and thankfully I spoke Italian and could communicate a little bit with them. That's awesome. Yeah. Now, how long did you play with them? I played half the season with them. So the plantar fasciitis that I had my entire senior season, it ended up rupturing on me while I was playing in Italy. So, um, it was a partial rupture, so that means you don't have to have surgery, but I had to take about six to eight weeks off. And as soon as I could start limping through running, I told the coach I wanted to play again. So I ended up getting to play like our our last two games with the, the tournament at the end of the season as well. Um, and I... I it was very cool. I got to score a goal in it um, awesome. in the tournament and get us to the semifinals. So that was awesome. But what happened after that is I came back to the States to try and rehab and go back and play for another club in Italy, but I was never able to fully recover. Um, so the plantar fasciitis caused knee pain and um like we said, I didn't want to tear my ACL. And once it got up to my knee, I said, this is a chain reaction that will just, it'll never stop if I don't let it heal. So I put my cleats up for the first time. Wow. Now, how is your foot today? It's fantastic. Oh, that's good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Very good. <laughs> now, once you hang up your cleats, you get into training, which I know you had mentioned you actually done before when you were still playing. So can you talk a bit about how you got into that and how that's going right now? Yeah. So I had to take that semester off before my senior year. And so I started working with four kids that played with the local club. And I just found out that I absolutely loved it. My plan when I started training with them was to teach them how to truly take care of their bodies so that they wouldn't, you know, have a career like mine. Um, and I wish I could sit here and say that I taught them everything and it was magic and they never had an injury. Unfortunately, that was not the case, but it happened. Yes. And they do. And, you know, we can't prevent contact injuries, 
I just I just wish we could. But yeah, I just realized how much I liked it. So after I came back from playing in Italy, I started doing that again, and I started working with more kids. And I also got my strength and conditioning certification and started working at a gym, working with adults as well. But uh, the soccer aspect has always been more of the central focus for me. And so I still work with kids in small group settings and it's my trainings just evolved with them. Um, definitely the soccer aspect of it, but obvious, um, I'm constantly focused on the injury prevention and that's where I'm always trying to study and learn and implement new things and new findings because my passion is to make sure that a kid who is playing a sport is going to come back to a body that is just as healthy when they're done because we devote so much of our time, so much of our youth to the sport that we love but so often that sport is taking away so much from us, Mm -hmm. but we can't see it at that time. We're young, we're naive. And so I try my best to really educate these kids on taking care of their bodies to make sure that in their twenties and their thirties, they're not walking around saying, Oh, well, I've done my time and this is the body that I have. Yeah, I mean, that is such great information to give those kids. It's really cool that you do research, too. They're very lucky to have that and have you. Yes, thank you. Well, I just, I mean, the body is just so unique, and I, I think that it's constantly evolving with everything we're doing. The the fitness world, um, just exercise in general, is an extremely young um, profession as well, and mm-hmm. I just think that we're going to constantly be learning and so that's why I actually um, <laughs> I try to give hope to adults as well who are former athletes and telling them that, you know, with every with things that we're finding, you don't have to live in that pain. We can do something about it because like my OK, so we talked about my sister-in-law. She had six knee surgeries. Actually, Jesus. I think I think she might have had more. Um and she is living with a lot of knee pain. You would never know it. She's so incredibly strong. She's still incredibly fit. Um, but she didn't have a choice. Hers were almost all contact injuries. And then at a certain point, you get so weak that just a wrong cut could could hurt your knee again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, the knee is so complex with how that can happen. It is, and I think that we're still learning a lot with what we need to do in training to help our athletes be stronger on the field. Yeah, and with ACL specifically, it seems like women get him like more than men. Yeah, so there's a few things that go into that. One, our hips are wider, so they're saying that the angle at which we do a lot of things, but especially landing from jumping, it puts more stress on the ACL. Um, Our hormones play a huge part as well. When um, we're close to our cycle, we get hormones that go out to our body that make our ligaments weaker and more elastic to the point where they go too far and snap. So yeah, we are set up a little more unfortunately, but again, I do think that there is a new type of training and understanding of muscles and tendons that that's coming 
up that can really help us move forward with this. But it's it it's devastating. Like I said, I said that my career would be over with ACL injury, and thankfully it hasn't happened. But I know that so many teams struggle with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, soccer and basketball specifically, those are huge mm-hmm. injuries that happen. Mm-hmm. That's a big one. Now for soccer, what is it? Do you teach all age groups or is there a specific age group you mostly focus with? Maybe the older kids? No, I work with pretty much all kids. Right now I have kids from the age of 9 to 17. Um, okay, and then wow. I'll have, I still have one kid um from the original group that i first started training she plays at vcu virginia commonwealth and when she comes to town we'll train together so she's that's amazing yeah it's it's really cool when she comes back to town it just brings everything back to the beginning and why i started and um and she's an awesome person and player too so it's fun to work with her now, do you help the kids with their recruiting processes? I don't do a lot of that because so much has changed. But I, I mean, parents will ask me questions and I will give them feedback on things personally because that's normally what they come um, asking me about. It, you know, how did you do, deal with this? And it's just so overwhelming. So I will do that. And then I try to stay up to date as best as I can on one on what can and can't happen. But honestly, it's like we're doing a podcast now. 10 years ago, I don't think podcasts were out there. Um, now so. now you, you don't just ask the coaches to come watch you play. You have to do a highlight reel and send mm-hmm. it to them. Like, I wouldn't know how to do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's tough. Yeah, you have to know some software and all that. Yeah. <laughs> And I actually saw one of your players committed to Duke. What's that about? Your rival? Um, one of the kids that I was working with? I think so. I think I saw that on Twitter. Yeah. Am I yeah. No, you're right. Um, oh, cool. She, I, no, I love Robbie Church. I, anyone that wants to go play with him, I'm 100% for it. She <laughs> felt like it was a better fit academically for her. Um, and Robbie and Carla Overbeck really wanted her to go there and um and she and she did and I, I was so excited for her. I it's unfortunate because yes, I am a diehard UNC fan, but I do so strangely have a soft spot for Duke women's soccer. I will never root for them against UNC, but I always want Robbie to do well. He was such a huge part of my youth soccer career and into college as well. He would I knew that he was rooting for me, and so I will always root for him as well. That's amazing. Now, when you were at UNC, did you ever go to a UNC Duke basketball game? Yes, I did. They are insane. Yeah, I need to get to one. That's a bucket list for sure. For sure. And to go into, um, what's it called? Car- uh, Car- Cameron? Or Carmichael? Yes. No, no. Cameron Stadium. I couldn't imagine what that would be like. Oh, yeah, it's insane. I mean, you shouldn't go because you'd probably be wearing uh, Carolina gear. That wouldn't yeah. go over so well. But, yeah, it's right. a small, really loud <laughs> stadium where UNC has a huge stadium. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, very different atmospheres. But at the same time, like, UNC can be just as loud. So you just oh, for sure. put us a little further apart, but it's more people in that space and goes crazy. There's very true. Honestly, I prefer watching it from the TV so that I can have a little bit of personal space, especially with COVID now, too. But it's an experience that everybody should have. For sure, yeah. And I think they won it once when you were there, right? In 2009? Yes, they did. That was incredible. I mean, I got to run to Franklin Street and do that whole thing and see, you know, cars being burned and people climbing (laughs) poles. It's insane. I mean, it's like basketball here, UNC Duke, is like soccer in Italy as well. Um, It, you know, it is so diehard. I love it. I mean, to be, you know, to feel like a community like that, to root with so many people for a specific goal it's just awesome yeah i was super shocked that roy williams retired i was too but i mean um he's done his time you know and i guess he felt like it was time i don't know how do you it was so weird that that it was announced on april 1st oh yeah that is I guess we're still kind of waiting for him to be like, no, just kidding. (laughs) For like hours, like some of my (laughs) some of my friends are UNC basketball fans and they were like freaking out. I was like, you guys, it's an April Fool's joke. And then like a whole (laughs) press release came out and I was like, oh, never mind. Yeah, that is so strange. That's funny. I think Hubert Davis will do a good job, though. I agree with you 100%. Now, you do a lot of training. Have you ever thought about getting into coaching at all? No, I haven't. A lot of people have asked me that, but there's something about building the individual's game that I am more drawn to than the team. Um, mm-hmm. I've I've wanted to try it to see how I feel, but I've um, I just I just haven't. And okay. there's just the individual development of a player. You get to teach them a lot more as well. I like that aspect of training versus the team atmosphere and working on um, building the cohesiveness and the the way that the team plays together. It's just It's just different for me. I think there are better coaches out there for that, and I'm just – better on the the individual side yeah no i hear you those are two kind of very different tasks even though they're both Mm -hmm. teaching soccer in a way both very important so what else has been going on besides training and watching unc soccer um i am still devoted a lot to continuing um to learn in the strength and conditioning world honestly right now but basically i and from that Italian family, so I, I see them at least once a week and have a lot of fun with my nephew, who's five. Oh, um, that's a cute age. Yes, he's absolutely adorable, and he's starting to play soccer, too, and it's just, he's he's awesome. He's going to be such a handful as well, but other than that, like we talked about before, I love skiing, so going out to Colorado and Utah, I uh, try to do that as much as possible during ski season and then just being outdoors. It's fun. 
Yeah, you probably couldn't ski much when you were playing soccer, right? Because it's like frowned upon in case you get injured. So yeah, it's awesome that you can do that now. Yes, it was a, a long hiatus from skiing. And then as soon as I did it again, I was I went four times that year. I was like, this is so amazing. I'm glad I have this outside of soccer because I miss soccer. And you know what? That's such a tease that you had to have that surgery out in Vail, Colorado, because it's obviously a beautiful area to go skiing, but obviously you could not do it because of your hip. Bridget, his office is on the bottom of the slope. It is oh, no such way. a tease. It is, you're in his office and you are looking up at people skiing down the mountain. Apparently, if you go in and they're like, oh, he's running behind on a surgery, it actually means that he went out on the mountain to <laughs> ski a couple and come back down. But oh, what's amazing. amazing is that um, my dad knew how much I love skiing too, and he skis as well. So he promised me um, on that day that we had our appointment, we thought we were going to get to go ski and then come back home and fly back out for the surgery. Well, they said, hey, we have an opening tomorrow. You're just going to stay the night and ski tomorrow. But obviously, I can't get hurt before surgery. So he promised me that we would go back out to Vail and ski one day. And almost exactly four years after I had surgery, uh, my dad, my brother, and I went and skied in Vail. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. It's beautiful. Oh, I bet. Yeah, I have to get out to Colorado. I have to learn to ski first, and then I have to get out to Colorado. That's a great place to to learn it, though, because the snow is so soft that if you fall, like, it doesn't hurt. Okay, good. I'm trying not to get injured. Yes, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Maria, I have absolutely loved our conversation. I like to end the podcast with a couple of fun questions. How does that sound? Yeah, absolutely. All right. What TV show are you currently binge watching? You know, I've listened to a couple of your other podcasts. And I was like, oh, I hope she doesn't ask me that question because I don't want to. Oh, you're not a TV weird- watcher? I didn't want to be the weirdo to say that I don't watch TV. It's rare that I do. Um, well, you got a lot going on. I do. And so I try to, I try to focus on those things. But I will say, and. A lot of people are going to say, are you joking? Have you not finished it yet? I'm trying to get through the Michael Jordan documentary when I do have time. Oh, my God. I mean, you deserve your, the criticism on that <laughs> because you played basketball. He's a North Carolina alum. You're a North Carolina alum. You got to watch it. I know. I know. I'm trying. I think I'm only on the third episode, so I'm slacking. Oh, wow. Well, on a rainy day when you don't have any training sessions, there's, you know, nowhere to go outside. You got to finish that. I will. I will. And I'll let you know when I'm done. Yeah, please do. All right. Next question. What is the hidden talent that you have? Um, oh, man. I'm really stumping you with these, huh? You're you're really stumping me with that one. Well, I, you know, I was going to say I'm a pretty good cook, but coming from an Italian family, I don't know that I can really say that. (laughs) Isn't that like a requirement? You have to be a good cook in an Italian household? Yes, especially as a female. It really is. What is your best dish that you make? Oh, I, um... 
I think I make a good chicken parm. Ooh, that's that's impressive. Yeah. yeah. All right. All right, Maria, last question. Where's your next vacation destination? Is it skiing? Is it Italy? Where are you going? Oh, um, I think technically it's going to be Italy because once, um, cause it's towards the end of the summer and, you know, we can travel right now, but going out of the country is a little bit more difficult at the moment. I think it's Italy. Yeah. Okay. Very nice. Yeah. You should meet me there. I would love to. <laughs> I'm just going to eat all the pizza and pasta and drink all the wine. Can't yeah. wait. Can't forget the mozzarella. <laughs> that is, if you like cheese, that is heaven. Oh, I bet. Yeah, fresh mozzarella there. Wow. Yes. Yep. Maria, thank you so much for taking time out of your day to come on the podcast. I really enjoyed talking about your career at North Carolina, all the injuries you overcame to win three national titles. So impressive. Thank you. I loved it as well. And you reminded me of a lot of things that I had kind of forgotten. Nice. And keep up the good work with the training. Thank you. All right, everyone. That was my chat with Maria Lebrano. Hope you enjoyed it. Really cool to hear about her great career at UNC. She persevered through so many injuries to end her career as a national champ. Awesome that she's still involved in soccer. She seems to have a real passion for training. I'll be back soon to speak with another outstanding athlete.